day and, and the big day I think for us is that, that moment when, when we fall on our knees and say, God, I want to be your child. I want to be your person. I might have told you just, just a bit of my story. I, I've got it at home somewhere, a little gold Gideon's Bible. Uh, I was probably about six years old. I'd, I've always been a Christian. I've always thought I'm a Christian. But this particular day, my father was preaching at an Afrikaans language church. I could not understand it to save my life. But the poor Sunday school teacher, having to find something for me to do, found an English version of the Gideon's Bible, gave it to me. And I just remember sitting there while the lesson's going on, reading through the Gideon's Bible and that bit at the back where it says, how to know that you are saved. And I've got the Bible at home. I've misplaced it. But in the back there, you can see where I've written, I, Nicholas, today, this and this date, decide to follow Jesus. So precious to me. That, that's, that, that's a huge moment in my life. I'm sure we could go around the room and each of us who know Jesus could say, you know, here's my story of God. Here's my history with God. Here's the way that God has, has dealt with me. This, this is the way that He met me. This is the way He deals with me today. We, we can give testimonies of, of how we came to know Him and testimonies of, of how He works with us even now. And that's just wonderful. I love hearing testimonies. Because they speak to the God of grace and goodness. Over the last few weeks, we've been working our way through the book of Galatians, looking at this whole topic of, of freedom in Christ. And, and, and remember, the reason Paul is writing, <coughs> writing this letter to the Galatians is because he, he wants to really remind them that we are saved by grace through faith, not by works, lest anyone should boast. He wants to remind them that they, that they really need to hold fast to the freedom which Christ has won for them and, and not trade it in for, for the shackles of slavery to sin and laws and regulations which they were set free from when they heard the good news about Jesus and put their faith in Him. And Paul's writing because the Galatians are, are being tempted and being led astray by by some people, some Judaizers, people who want them to be Jewish, saying, well, if you want to be Christians, if, if you want to be in God's good books, then you have to follow the rules. You have to be a Jew. You have to do all the right things. You have to be good enough for God. And Paul writes to them and, and reminds them of the truth. And I think chapter 3, here in the first nine verses, the first five verses, Paul writes and he urges the Galatians and he urges you and I to, to stop for a moment and to think back and, and to, to consider our history with God as individuals, corporately, as, as people, as humanity. And Paul wants us to, to remember that, that it's always been grace and mercy that has saved us. And he wants us to realize how absolutely ridiculous and stupid and foolhardy it would be to know the grace of God and then to fall away from that again. You know, Paul, writing to the Galatians, they were a special people to him because he had been with them. He, he had 
preached the gospel to them. He'd explained Jesus to them. Verse 1, he says, I, uh, in the Greek there, he says, I, I painted a picture of Christ crucified for you and, and, and I know the experience that you had when, when you heard the truth about Jesus and, and you accepted him and it was such a, a wonderful time. You were like a dry sponge that just soaked in the Spirit and, and you just wanted more. He says in chapter 4, verse 13, that, that the Galatians, when he arrived there, they, they greeted Paul like he was an angel from God, like he was Jesus Christ himself. They were just so keen to hear this gospel, this good news, that grace brings freedom and joy and, and all that we need. And says Paul to them, you foolish Galatians, remember how you have seen Christ crucified. Not literally. I mean, these were Gentile believers, most of them. These, these were people that wouldn't have actually seen Jesus on the cross, but, but, but they saw with the eyes of faith as, as Paul preached the good news to them and told them about Jesus. That they, they saw Christ on the cross. You know, I love how Paul begins there. He says, remember Christ crucified. You know, for Paul, Jesus on the cross, Christ crucified, stands at the core, the, the very centre of the Gospel. I mean, yeah, you've got the incarnation and, and you've got the resurrection, but the cross is the hub around which everything else comes together. John Stott, a, a brilliant thinker, says that, that without, Christ, without the cross, there is no Christianity. Without the cross, we are nothing. There is no forgiveness for us. And you know, if we just look through the first couple of chapters, the first three chapters of Galatians, just look at what Paul says about the cross. Uh, chapter 1, verse 4, Paul says to us there, um, Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age according to the will of God our Father. In other words, Paul is saying by the cross we are rescued from this present evil age. Chapter 2, verse 20, if you've got it, look at it. It says, Paul over there, on the cross we died with Christ. And now Jesus lives in us because of the cross. Chapter 2, verse 21, Paul says, by the cross we have been set right with God. Chapter 3, verse 13, just after our passage this morning, Paul says, by the cross we have been redeemed from the curse of the law and we have been given freedom. The cross, says Paul, is everything. If we've seen the cross... We have seen God and, and we know something of His goodness. Because to be a Christian is to be a cross-eyed person. You know, once we've seen Jesus on the cross and we've understood that He hung there for you and I, and we've understood that this is grace and mercy and love in action, Wow. You know, just like us who know Jesus, the Galatians had seen this. They'd, they'd understood this. They'd realized the price that our sins demand. That, that even the most righteous of us had to have Christ die for us. And I can understand those first three words. You foolish Galatians. 
the, the word foolish there is actually the word for you irrational, you, you non-thinking Galatians. How can you know the truth? You've experienced the truth. And then you, you, you give in to this trying to do things your own way. If, if you could please God by yourself, why did Jesus die? How stupid it is to look to the cross, see the grace of God and then follow a regime that says that I can do it myself. You see, Paul unpacks this in, in, in verses uh, 2 onwards and he starts in verse 2 and he says, look, think about it, right from the beginning of your journey with God, right at the beginning of your relationship with God, at the time when you put your faith in God, right there it's been Grace. And think of your own story. I mean, when you became a Christian, was it a case of, yeah, I reckon I'm good enough for God now? Or was it because you realized that Jesus is your only hope? It says, Paul, verse 2 over there, he says, just one question. Honestly, answer me. Did you receive the Spirit of God by obeying the law or by believing what you heard? That the Spirit of God, the, the sign and the seal that we are children of God, that we have been born again of God. And notice Paul doesn't say, did you receive the Spirit? He, 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 wants, to know, he wants to know, you have received the Spirit Why? I mean, the fact of the matter is that, that, that the Spirit comes into our lives the moment we accept Jesus. And maybe it's not an, an earth-shattering experience for all of us. Maybe we are just sitting in a Bible study and it, it suddenly clicks to us that what we're reading is the truth. But when Jesus enters into us and becomes real to us, The Spirit enters in and, and says to us, we are children of God. We are sons and daughters of the living God. We belong to God. Not because we deserve it, but because God has chosen to give Himself to us. I mean, that's, that's the story of God through, throughout the Bible, isn't it? That God chose. I mean, think, we're coming up to Christmas. God chose to incarnate Himself, to give Himself to us, to die on the cross for us. And, and He chooses even now to, to give Himself again to us as the Spirit comes and takes up residence in our lives. A few years back we had uh, George Bush coming to visit Australia and we had the, the infamous chaser incident. But you know, when you think about it, the reason George Bush came to Australia was because we were ready for him. The, the streets were blocked off. The police escorts were everywhere. If, if we hadn't blocked off the streets, if we hadn't given him a police escort and who knows what in the sky, he wouldn't have come. God's not like that. God says, I know you're not going to be ready for me, but I've come. And if you say come, I will come into your life. 
because the Holy Spirit, God himself, accepts us not because of who we are, but because of who God is and because of what Jesus has done. And to then turn around and to say, well, I don't need that anymore, is just stupid. It says, Paul, verse 2, our faith begins by grace. It is a work of God. And verse 3, if it begins by grace, if it begins with God, then it has to finish with grace. It has to finish with God. I mean, how can we ever think that we can reach our goal of being perfected, of being holy, of being perfect like Jesus without God? You know, sometimes we think that, that becoming a Christian is about being given a second chance with God. That's not the case. If we failed the first time, we will fail the second time too. I will guarantee it to you right now. You know, it's not like a traffic court where we go before the judge for driving 300 kilometers an hour in a 150 zone and the judge says, well, I'm going to pay your fine and I'm going to let you off this time. That's not what happens with God. God comes to us and he says, you know what, I'm going to pay your fine. I'm going to take your driver's license away from you and I'm going to give you mine. And I'm going to drive your life from this point forward. Because you can't make it. There is no point in giving you a second chance. The only way you will survive is if I am with you is if you are with me. Sometimes we act like, like becoming a Christian is, 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 forgive me, another car metaphor, is God turning the ignition key to our lives. Says Paul, when that happens, how many people, engines running, get out of their car and start pushing? How foolish. How irrational. How, how stupid. Uh, a few weeks ago, I, I helped somebody push their car. It had broken down at the side of the road. Ten minutes worth of pushing. And look, I'm not fit, but I was out of breath. Ten minutes. You know, if we try to push ourselves so that we are good enough for God, we will be out of breath and, and we will just be... We can't do it. It's got to be God's power. It's got to be God's grace from the beginning from the end, to the end. And it's got to be God's grace and God's power and God himself right now. That's verses 4 and 5 says, says Paul to us there, uh, our experience of God at the moment. It's not because we are good enough for God. It's because God is God and God is choosing to present himself amongst us and to work amongst us. Verse 4 says, Paul over there, have you suffered so much for nothing if it really was for nothing? Why have you bothered being a Christian if you're just now going to forget about the grace of God? That, that word, why have you suffered so much, we can also translate it, why have you experienced so much? I mean, we've, we've encountered so much of God's goodness and His blessing and His kindness towards us and His grace towards us if we've experienced so much of what God has done for us, why would we throw it away? 
Or verse 5 says, Paul, does God give you His Spirit and work miracles among you because you observe the law or because you believe what you heard? Is God sitting there saying, Job logs, or is he good enough yet? Yeah, he's praying for a miracle. Oh, needs to change a bit. Needs to cha- oh, yes, good. Miracle time. That's not the way God works. God doesn't say you have to be good enough for me to, to show you my power. God says, I am your Father and I will show you your power because I am with you and the Spirit of mine is in you. And I love you. And I love the way Paul puts it in Corinthians. He says, we have this treasure in in jars of clay to show that this power is from God and not from us. And we come to verse 5 and and Paul says, you know, the Spirit doing miracles amongst us. Maybe, I don't know, maybe you haven't seen a miracle. You know, an extravagant, wow, this is impossible kind of thing. I, I know there are people here who have. And I know that personally I have seen God do things which shouldn't have happened. You know, answers to prayer in situations that seem hopeless. Suddenly something changes. I mean, what is an answer to prayer if it is not a miracle? That that God himself, the, the maker of all creation and and the one who controls all things would, would hear us and answer us. Now, most of you are probably sitting there saying, you know, Nick, this is, this is all good stuff, but I know it all. Yes, grace alone. Wonderful. How many times have you said that this morning, Nick? It must be up to about 25 times now. And you know, I make no apologies for saying it 25 times. I'll say it another 350 times. Because we need to hear the message. It is by grace that we are saved and not by works. From the start of our our walk with Christ, in the now of our walk with Christ, towards the end of our walk with Christ, if, if it's not about grace alone, then we are the ones who have the moniker foolish applied to us. And we need to hear it because like the Galatians, the temptation is so real for us to, to accept the grace of God and then to turn around and, and to try and, and say to him, well, I'm going to prove that I'm good enough for you, God. A, a while back, um, I got given a gift by somebody in my family. And I can be very ungracious. They gave me a gift of money. And every time I saw them after that, I would try and give it back. God gives us His grace. And to then turn around and say, well, I'm good enough, is like saying, God, take it back. We've seen Christ crucified. Take Him back, God. Didn't have to do that. I can do it by myself. You know, to, to get caught in this trap of, of trying to be good enough for God is a, 
is a Sisyphean task. You, you know Sisyphus? I've preached about him. Well, I haven't preached about him. I've mentioned him in a sermon two years ago. Sisyphus. Greek mythology, this is a, a bloke in Greek mythology who was uh, punished for all eternity. His task was to roll a, a boulder up the top, to the top of a hill. And as soon as he reached there, the boulder would roll back down and he'd have to start again. That's, that's us if we choose to, to try and prove to God that we're good enough. You know, there are some great people in this world. Uh, I know Graham, but he's, he's very fond of telling us about Fred Hollows, the, the eye guy. Great man. We can do great things. We can be kind of righteous in our own strength, but, but isn't it the truth that we will get so far? And only so far, and then our burdens and our guilt and our sin will roll back down the hill and we'll have to start all over again because we cannot please God in our own strength. We need His grace to take our burden. We need to consider Christ on the cross. And when we know this, when the Galatians knew this, they'd, they'd experienced so powerfully the, the Spirit's presence in their lives, but but yet we still go back to trying to prove ourselves to God. And, and Paul's flabbergasted. He says, that's not your experience. That's not my experience. That's, that's never been the experience of history with God. And he goes on and he says, look, consider Abraham, the father of our faith. Was it because he was good enough that God said to him, Abraham, I've chosen you. I'm going to make you a great nation. I'm going to bless your socks off. Paul, no. Back way at the start of God's dealing with people, with Abraham, God said, Abraham, follow me. Go to the place where I'm sending you to out, out of earth to a land you do not know. And Abraham believed God. And it was reckoned to him as righteousness. Abraham trusted God. Abraham put his faith in God. And because of that, he was in right with God. And because of that, God said, You are my friend, Abraham. Not because of what you've done, but because of who you have believed. It's the same. It's always been that way. It's not because of what we have done, but because of who we believe. And, you know, I just love verse 8 because Paul says that, you know, the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news that we are saved through grace, through the cross, consider Christ. Verse 8, that same gospel was preached to Abraham all those thousands of years back. Remember the first sermon we did in the series on freedom from, from John chapter 8 and Jesus was speaking to the Jewish crowds and He said, Your father Abraham, he longed to see my day and he has seen it and he has rejoiced that he has seen it because he has seen the day, says Paul here in Galatians chapter 3, when the Gentiles, when you and I will be saved through faith.
You know, I wonder sometimes whether it's not the most basic, the most simple of life experiences that manage to wind their way the deepest into our souls. Grace (laughs) digs in so deep. Brothers and sisters, let us live out of that grace. Out of that freedom of knowing that God loves us. That God has poured himself out in abundance for us. Let us consider Christ crucified. And if this morning perhaps there are some people sitting here who are thinking, well, that sounds nice. Perhaps there are some people here this morning who say, well, you know, I, I, I'm trying to be good enough for God, but I'm just not. And I, I keep trying and I keep trying, but I, I keep failing and I keep failing. Before your very eyes, Christ crucified. Grace described. Holding out its hands. Ready to embrace. Before your very eyes, Christ Jesus has been portrayed. Crucified, the gracious one, life changes forever.